I think One Nation's been the only consistent political party for the last 20 years. They're not talking about you. Right. Well, let me tell you, One Nation is talking about you. The media have run away from One Nation. They're too scared to ask us any questions, mainly because we're straight talkers and we've got the answers. This is like a call to arms. You guys need to start making the real decisions and who you're going to vote for. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Ex Candidates. My name is Stephen Tripp and as always I'm joined by Adam Zara. How are you going tonight, Adam? I'm alright, Stephen. How are you going? I'm pretty good and we're going down... To Victoria again to speak to another candidate, but this time in the lower house, we've got Ben Mahale. How are you tonight, Ben? Good, thanks, lads. How are you going? Yeah, yeah not, not too bad. bad. Uh, you're going to be contesting Bend- Bendigo East, is that right? Correct. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Ben Mahale. I'm uh, going to be the state candidate for Bendigo East with the One Nation, obviously. Um, I contested the federal election uh, for the seat of Bendigo. Can, uh, winning 5.5% of the primary vote, which was uh, best out of all the smaller parties, which was fantastic. And uh, my history is uh, predominantly in emergency services where I spent 11 years as a triple zero police dispatcher. Wow. Okay. And are you still doing that now? No, I haven't been working there since, uh, well, you know, just over a year, but I was officially uh, let go on uh, March 1st this year. Should we guess? Should we guess the circumstances? Why? <laughs> I would usually say three guesses, but I think you can get it in one. It was uh, due to the jab mandates. Yeah. Okay. Is that is that a big motivation for you? Why you stepped up to run as a candidate in the first place, or was it other issues that you really wanted? Yeah, to I think I think it was more around the political integrity and uh, transparency that we're not seeing here in Victoria. So I actually contacted One Nation um, in June last year, wanting to run for them. Uh, because I felt that I had the skill set um, that was uh, required to make a positive change. And uh, obviously I saw the writing on the wall when um, certain industries started getting mandated. And I thought, well, it's not too long until the essential workers get mandated as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, wow. So um, triple triple zero dispatcher. And so you would be um, a person that you would behind the phone, if you rang triple zero, you would go through to you? Yeah, correct. So the, the process is, is that you um, call triple zero, you'll get uh, Telstra, someone from Telstra that say police, fire, ambulance and where, and then they put you through. If it's in Victoria, it'll code through to the what's called the Emergency Services Telecommunications Authority, or ESTA for short, um, and that comes through to our call taker. So we all have, so we do all um, uh, police, fire, uh, ambulance and SES call taking and dispatch services for, uh, for all of Victoria. So I did all of regional Victoria when I was working there. And I did place an SES. Okay. So so with the election coming up, what are some of the issues that you're focusing on with your electorate? Yeah, it's going to be the critical services because what we've seen in Victoria in general, which is echoed across Bendigo East as well, is um, uh, things like uh, the emergency services, um, you know, the healthcare, the political integrity, education's a big one. The indoctrination of our kids is something that I just can't abide by anymore, having two boys at... 13 and 14 years old, and uh, obviously up until last year, I was the school council, a school council president. So, what are some of the things that are happening with the with in the schools? Yeah, well, in the schools, like I actually just um, reported my latest video today on the education sector, so that'll be uh, going up next week, which will be good. Um, essentially, we've got uh, 
bureaucrats that seem to have found their uh, qualifications in the weak fix box that are bringing us woke programs such as uh, respectful relationships, which is a very slightly watered down version of the safe school programs, uh, which essentially teaches that if your child wishes to change their gender, then the school can counsel them through that process without the consent or even knowledge of the parents uh, due to the mature minors' um, loopholes. Now, just quickly with that, because so that was passed in Parliament, for wasn't it? To, that's a that because that's not that's not actually all around Australia. That's only in Victoria that that. that yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so with the mature minors, what that means is that if a child's attained the age of uh, twelve, it means that if the school uh, or a school psychologist or someone that they deem qualified. Um, uh, says that the student is capable of making their own decisions um, outside of the parents, then they're more than welcome to do that, yet they can't go out and get a tattoo or go out drinking at that age and probably for good reason. They can't even give them a... They, the school can't even administer a Panadol. No, definitely not. But they but, can't go but, yeah, that's right, but we can give them, um, you know, life-changing and detrimental surgery that's um, irreversible and that's no problem apparently. Well, a, a simple thing as a, a, a female taking a testosterone tablet, um, you know, and then going on to a course of obviously testosterone tablets. Right? That's right. It's, it's not. It's just not a matter of after, um, you know, after six months of taking it that everything goes back to normal. It's actually. It actually uh, reduces the size of the uterus. It actually damages the body to a point where it. They'd be very lucky if they could. Um, have a have a, a, a child um, as a female. That's ex that, that's exactly it, and that's what we're looking at. We're doing this to our kids, apparently, yeah. and apparently it's all good. But uh, having said that, when you have socialist policies, I mean, socialism might look like a marginally attractive prospect if you're looking through a dirty mirror through a dusty window at 500 metres with no glasses on. But once you run out of other people's money, it kind of loses its luster. I think. Have you spoken to any of the other parents or through your campaigning, have you spoken to other people? Like what's what's the feeling on the ground? Are people outraged? I, I assume that some are. Is there any support? Well, believe it or not, a lot of people don't know about it. Okay. And, and that's the problem. Uh, I've, through the federal campaign, I've spoken to a lot of teachers and now former teachers, uh, and, as, and a lot of parents called me up asking about it and asking what my stance was. So I'd always go out and have a chat to them and find out what their concerns were. And uh, obviously um, they were quite uh, quite warmed when they uh, when I told them that I was firmly against such things and I was uh, going to be permanently uh, fight, fighting against it uh, should I get to Parliament. It really, shock, it really shocks me with this whole, um, you know, respectful relationships and gender fluidity and, all this ideology going through the schools because and and it's funnily it's funny that parents don't know about it every time even when i've gone and spoken to people and sometimes when i've said speeches or i've presented whatever i've presented for certain things um people look at it like what are you talking about you're you're an, they actually would turn around and go you're an idiot what what conspiracy is this and that's like, right and I knew about the Victorian legislation. I know it's legislated, so that because that means that it's actually against the law for a parent to try to talk their child out of going through trans uh, gender. Correct. Or transing. Sorry, I'm so it's, it's so against the, the natural flow of things for me and the, my beliefs that it's so hard to get the terminology even right. 
and I, they get confused on it themselves with him, her, she, it, what, or whatever. So, well, it's, so yeah. it's gender dysphoria, and I think that's the correct nomenclature for it, gender dysphoria these days. And, um, you know, look, if, if you want to be called a he, she, whatever, that's really up to you, but don't expect me to buy into your, um, into your fantasies. That's right. And we've had um, reports of um, furries as well. Is that all part of it as well? Have you got them down there? Um, not too sure on what that one is, to be honest. You might have to explain that one. So if um, a child identifies as an animal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did say the one was it a horse or a duck or something like that. Yeah, so, um, I mean. Well, well, so, like, like, we're laughing, but it's, it's, it's actually. It's, a, a, it's terrible. Like, it's, uh, we shouldn't laugh about it. It's, oh. You're right. Sorry, Stephen. No, I was, no I, was, I was going to say that that's fine. I'm happy to identify as the Premier of Victoria, and I'll uh, put a stop to this. <laughs> I know, and that's that's my argument to everything now. You know, like they talk about. Um, I'm not going to go away from you, but we're talking about you know the uh, cost of living prices, and yeah. you know they, we were promised a uh, $270 discount on our electricity bills, and then what happens is we copped an 18% increase. And, that's right. Uh, in the speech that I recently, I said, well. Did, it, did, did the increase identify as a discount? Because that's yeah. the only thing you could actually, you know, that's the only argument you've got now. Um, yeah. Well, clearly the government's getting a discount. Well, something well, they're getting something. <laughs> but uh, sorry, mate. Back to the back to your school. The, back to the schools and this respectful relationship. Yeah. Well, well, with that, when it first came in, the school that I was, uh, I was school council vice president at the time. And um, it, we were one of the trial schools uh, on it. And I'll say, look, the school, I was the school council president, vice president of, was a fantastic school, don't get me wrong. Um, but the first time anyone heard about it was when it was in the newsletter. Like, we didn't, I didn't hear about it in a school council meeting or anything like that. It was just in the newsletter and I had a lot of angry parents messaging me and calling me, asking me what's up. And I said, I've got no idea. And, it, you know, you can imagine my shock and horror when I kind of read through what was actually being taught. This is yeah, how they yeah. try and sneak it in. That's that's exactly that's exactly it. Um, you know, socialism by stealth. Yeah. So with uh, with Bendigo East, you're going up against uh, Jacinta Allen. Is that right? She's the deputy yeah. premier. Correct. So can you give us a bit bit of a story? Like she's she's only been deputy premier for a short time because the other yeah yeah that's that's correct. So she's. Um, had the seat for many years, I think, since, you know, over 20 years. So, um, she, you know, it's considered to be a safe Labor seat, which is why we don't see any money come to Bendigo East because it's just classic pork barrelling. Why would you put money here when you know you're going to win the seat? And why would Liberals put any money here when they know they're not going to win the seat? So, um, you know, the only way to, to see money come to our district is to either um, flip the seat or turn it marginal. So, um, so yeah, so she's the Deputy Premier, which kind of broke Labor's own policies because they've now got a Premier and a Deputy Premier that are from the socialist left um, faction of their own party, which is against their own policy, uh, which means that um, reading between the lines, it's quite a possibility that she's the, uh, the heir apparent to the Premiership. And what happened to the previous Deputy Premier? Um, resigning. Uh, does it, you know, rats deserting the ship, I believe. So I... I... Uh, we, we're hearing that a lot of um, the members of the Andrews government have resigned recently. What's the story behind that? How, how come? So, how many years have um, has Labor been in government down in Victoria? 
Yeah, they've had they've had I think two the last two terms um, yeah. at this stage, and um, you know, Daniel Andrews. Time really for people. Well, it is. It's eight years, and you know Daniel Andrews was the health minister back in two thousand eight when he um, when he uh, and he's actually the was the health minister when the public health and wellbeing act was brought into parliament. Um, but look, I mean, it depends on how far down the rabbit hole you want to go with um, why they're why they're all leaving now. You know. Obviously, I think the most popular opinion is that uh, it's because if they get caught with their hand in the cookie jar and they're still in Parliament, then they lose their government pension. And if they're out of Parliament, then, okay, they get wrapped over the knuckles and whatever else, but they get to keep their government pension. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty crazy. Because there is there is a lot of, cons- not conspiracy, there's a lot of talk, sorry, about, um, about like, misgoings on with the Dan Andrews government. Yeah, well, obviously they've been caught with multiple uh, corruption scandals and and the like, and uh, obviously the IBAC down, oh, sorry, the um, yeah, the IBAC down here that's got no teeth to it whatsoever. Just simply says this is what we found. Um, Daniel Andrews even came out and said, "Yep, yeah, okay, yes, we did rot the um, taxpayers, you know, all this money, and you know what, we're not going to pay it back." And that's it. Apparently, that's the end of the story. So, you know, so, so, so it's a case of, you know, you know, and people still think that he's doing a great job. And I'm thinking, well, no, he's not doing a great job because transparency, for me, is one of the cornerstones of any public official because you've been voting to represent the people and you're not representing the people transparent with them. What is it about this guy? Why is he so bulletproof seemingly or is it just a facade? Is it just media hype that he's untouchable? I think it's. I think it is more media hype, to be honest. Um, you know, we're, we're going to find out in what what's the date twenty what what's the thirtieth. We're probably going to find out in about four weeks how bulletproof he really is. Is it just that the the Liberal Party is so disorientated and? Yeah, well, I think, I think it's the issue that we had in. We've got the same issue that we had in Queensland and Western Australia. There's just no opposition whatsoever to speak of. Um, which means, which is how McGowan and Palaszczuk, um, you know, were returned to power, so to speak. And I'm just hoping that we're going to see a repeat of the federal election where people were that were that nicked off with uh, Scott Morrison and his government that they didn't care who they replaced him with, just anyone. And, you know, hence we got Mr. One Third of the Vote Albanese running the show. So, you know, hopefully that could, that could be a situation that we have here where people are just that annoyed with Daniel Andrews that they're just going to vote him and all his ministers out, which would be a good thing. Um, you know, we had, what, three-quarters of a million people protesting last November when this pandemic legislation was going through, so I expect to see that reflected in the votes when they're counted uh, at the end of next month. Yeah, absolutely. And how, how have you have any of... Has you got some volunteers and a decent volunteer base now? Have you been able to build upon your um, federal... Yeah, yeah, slowly, build, slowly building. I'm really stoked to have um, Kylie as my uh, campaign manager because I didn't have a campaign manager at all last time. So it's nice to actually have someone telling me what to do because I kind of winged my entire federal campaign, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, I just kind of wake up and thought, yeah, well, I just wake up and thought, all right, what am I going to do today? All right, I'll just go record a video on this, you know. And I think you actually, uh, Adam, I think you actually shared one of my videos when I was talking about uh, mandates during the federal election. Probably did. I mate, yeah. I probably did. I watched every. I, I was trying to help and rally everybody um, who was who was going through the same thing like we were going through, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if, and I I still do it even even today. If there's you know something that I can jump on and especially if I know a little bit about it, I'll share it as well because I'll get questioned about it too. So 
I try to just, you know, help everybody out. I'm Stephen as well. Um, that's how Stephen and I actually kind of, you know, built up our friendship was through, you know, Facebook and, um, you know, and sharing each other's stuff and, and just, you know, supporting each other. But And that's and that's what you guys got to do as well. Well, it's called being a decent human being for starters. And, yeah. you know, and, and, that, and that, I think you've hit the nail on the head, you know, like even during the federal campaign, I actually, you know, I got along quite well with several of my other candidates. You know, we all understood that it was one seat that was up for grabs. And, you know, one of those I'm going, one of those people I'm actually going head to head with the Bendigo West, who I actually got along quite well with. So uh, he ran as an independent. So I'm, um, you know, really looking forward to the next four weeks and uh, probably doing a video with him, uh, a joint video with him. Well, I think it's so important that um, especially like freedom parties or, you know, the smaller parties, okay, that if you're, um, you know, if, are you is he, is that person um, also in a freedom party? Yeah, he's, um, well, I'm happy to say, um, so James is a um, independent backed by uh, Australia One. All right, good. Okay, well, that's good because what happens is people, every time I've ever talked, I speak to a lot of people as well. And especially through my day-to-day work and I, I, I'm, I've got an opportunity to get into people's homes and get in, in a comfortable environment with them. And there for a few hours, so you just start chatting. And people want to see that, it, um, that, like, you know, independent parties or the minor parties work together. So it's really important that you, I think it's actually very good that you show videos and photos of you and him, you know, on pre-polls and, campaign, and campaigning and stuff together because people want to see that if one of us, if one of us parties get in that we can work well with other parties because you can't just stand there and be a brick wall. They are people really, well, especially up here in my electorate, people really understand that you have to work with people that you might not like, or you have to work with people or other parties that stand a bit, have different like sides of policies that you might not agree with, but you together, you have to work together to get it done. So I think it's very good, a good, ta- a good tactic to actually get on with your candidates. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. And look, at the end of the day, if you happen to, if you're, you know, lucky enough to get elected, then the the expectation is that you will work with members from other parties for the greater good of the, uh, the people that you're there to represent. I mean, it's not lucky enough. It's about how much work you put in. Okay. <laughs> we'll run. We'll run with that one. Yeah, not luck. <laughs> Although with you guys down there, with your preference whisperer and all that kind of stuff, that makes it a bit. Uh, yeah, I've got a video coming out on that too. Yeah, all right. No worries. That's about two weeks away. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can you give it a little bit, little bit now? Um, well, with the, with the way the preferencing works in here, down here in Victoria, in the upper house, essentially you put a one above the line, and that is it. That's nothing else. So, therefore, the party actually dictates where your preferences go. So, we've got a uh, gentleman by Glen Drury up here. Uh, sorry, down here, I should say, in Victoria, who's. Um, made a bit of an art form out of it and he can make the numbers talk quite well, hence why he's called the Preference Whisperer. And uh, if you pay him a um, nominal fee, a consultation fee, he'll um, try and get the preferences to work in your favour and uh, once you get in, then you pay him a, quite a larger fee. So uh, once you get in, but this is how we ended up with Fiona Patton, Rod Barton and Andy Medic, three of the four um, three of the four crossbenchers that sold us out 30 pieces of silver. Wow. Yeah, they got in with like what was it like only a few hundred thousand votes or something? Yeah, well, Rod Barton in particular from the Transport Matters Party, he got in with he got very few votes, but um, the preferences just kept adding votes to his uh, tally, so it worked out quite well for him. That's just wrong, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we have a resident statistician, 
that we um, definitely we talked to a lot and, um, you know, he's, he's a good bloke. And um, he was telling me today, just off the cuff, not 100% fact, but I can't remember the name of the candidate, but somebody got in off 44 votes or something. Yeah, like that. I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised. It was so, that they had such a little vote number. Like it was yeah. literally not even in the hundreds. Yeah. And just because of the way the preferences worked, it just kept rolling on and rolling on and rolling on. And they got in. I don't know who that candidate was because I can't remember. Yeah. But I'm sure, um, I'm sure Will Sam will be on here just going, mate, it was this person. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but yeah, we've had a bit of a chat. It's, I mean, it's so, it's to me, it's crazy how each state has slightly different rules. Or, well, I mean, Victoria is pretty much the only one now that doesn't, that has this um, preference whisperers side of setup, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think I think that I think we had a similar um, process federally. But I think uh, would have been about eight or so years ago. It was changed, I think, from memory to the system that we have now, which is probably yeah. more of our prefer- preferable. Yeah, where the people control the preferences, not the parties. Correct. Yeah, and people still were hammering us because remember, all, remember how we were always getting hammered about um, who do you where preference? Do you go? Where do your preference go, mate? Yeah. We don't control them, but you do. No, no, we're not controlling them. It's what where. Do you- Am I holding the pen for you when I write that where two goes and three goes? I mean, I've had you say it to you blue in the face. It's like you're controlling it. And they go, oh. And then, you know, finally after you, you, you know, you're sick of saying it, as Stephen always says, you know, once you're sick of saying it, they might start listening. They so. might start listening, yeah. yeah. Eventually. Eventually. After the election. <laughs> yeah. Well, when they were, oh, nuts. <laughs> That's all good. So uh, energy is a big um issue for us up here in New South Wales. How's it playing out down in Victoria? Yeah, well, um, the, the esteemed uh, Premier has decided to announce to try and buy some votes. He's going to bring back the SEC, so, you know, more the um, uh, government-owned power um, company. And, uh, what he hasn't told, what he's not really telling people too much about the detail of it is that it's going to be solely remote, uh, largely reliant on green energy. Oh, of course, uh, which is a bit of an oxymoron in itself. But you know, you know, during one of my videos last week, I referred to uh, the current climate change policy and its current iteration as a glorified Ponzi scheme. So some of the greenies didn't like that too much. Yeah, <laughs> people don't like. Sorry, go, Stephen. There you go, Adam. People don't like it when you say that um, you know the green energy is not there yet. People don't like it when you say when you know you say well. We use in Australia itself. I mean, I know we're all running state, but energy is energy. And it's like 30, um, you know, so we're using 30% renewables now. And the promise has always been once we go renewable, it'll go cheaper. So we're using the most ever renewables we've ever used before. I don't even like calling them renewables. I've got to be honest with you. No. Okay? I, mean, I call it green energy because the solar panel ain't renewable. Okay. You make it, you use it for 10 years, and then you bin it. Then you have to make another one. And then the lithium battery um, seeps into the ground and causes more damage to the environment. Then, then, then anything else, right? And not to mention too, a coal-fired power station or a nuclear power station has a has a lifespan of I think I think nuclear last time was it was 180 years. I think they can run. Yeah. And coal-fired power station is 80 years in current form, but that's 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 it'll run for 80 years without major maintenance or something like that. So. Uh, a, a wind turbine has a lifespan of 20 years, but the blades need to be replaced every 10 years, not to mention if they spontaneously combust and catch fire, you have to replace it anyway. 
Yeah, yeah. well, with, 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 the, with the wind turbines, they're not even um, recyclable or anything. So I think what, the last thing I heard is they wanted to make them into gummy bears, which is saying something about the, the state of our um, confectionery industry. Yeah, awesome. I was I was going to say the same thing. Wait, wait a second. You said they weren't recyclable, but they are because they can turn them into yeah. lollies. So they'll no, be spinning yeah. around for a hundred. Uh, they'll be spinning around for you know ten years until they go blunt. Then they take them down and then they add some chemicals to it, turn it into like a gelatin, and then they can make gummy bears out of. Hmm. I'm really enjoying my wind turbine. This is real. I haven't heard this. This before. is dead set real. Oh. There was a news report. This yeah. was a report. And this I'm is the mainstream media. Stephen, you have to find it, and then you'll have to post it on here, right? But I'm telling you, right, it was kind of like, mmm, fiberglass gummy bears, <laughs> delicious. I mean, that's going to save that's going to save the environment, isn't it? But, exactly. Uh, sorry, so I'm oh, sorry, I'm on a rant. I'm, I'm in a bit of a rant mood, so I do apologise yeah. for you again. I'll let yeah, you do it. No, that's right. So the other thing I was going to also talk about is our emergency services as well, obviously coming from the industry. Is, um, I can tell you now that the um, – no, yeah, there's the there's the clip there. Oh, look, it's there. <laughs> Crazy. It's in print. Sorry, Ben. You, don't worry. We've got heaps of time, mate. So you can get onto your emergency services. No, that's right. That's right. It's all about the gummy bears right now. But this is this is. <laughs> what real? does it make? What does it make? What what do you think the higher ups or confectionery industry think of us to give us that kind of product? You know, like what, what we uh, to I, me, it I just, it, it, it's just slap in the face. Bad. It just feels like we're nothing. It just feels like who cares? Yeah. They can eat, they can eat wind propellers. That's it. You know, with a side of bugs. Yeah, with a side of bugs. Don't worry, because those things mow down so much bugs a year that there'll be bugs implanted, embedded in it. Don't worry. Well, there you go. You don't even need to hose, uh, hose them off before you recycle. <laughs> that's right. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, but um, yeah, that's that. That was a that that shocked me. But uh, anyway, Ben, sorry, uh, sorry, uh, back to the <laughs> services. No, because I like no, energy's right. energy's my thing. Like I, I really get like excited about like energy, and I think that you know there's great purpose for battery operated, and there's great. But when the technology's there, unless That's we right. get out, it's got its place. Yeah, right. And personally, I think it's place. And I was talking about I was talking this to Stephen before. Was I reckon that he, the, uh, public buses. I used to, I hate staying behind a bus and the the, the smoke's coming pouring out of it and it stinks. Yeah. Then when I'm following a green bus, we have some in our area. I'm kind of like, you know what? I reckon that's probably the future of battery operated vehicles. Just Definitely. use them for public service vehicles. Like they can go to the depot. You don't have a million of them to charge and deplete the energy system or getting charged between you know seven and nine p.m. at night. Um, you have just a um, what do you call it? Just a uh, it goes to the depot, it gets charged, another one comes out. You know what I mean? They can maintain it. It's kind of like good. They're, they're powerful. They're pretty powerful. They don't get yeah. creeping up the hill. So I just think that that's kind of like a um, a good thing for maybe battery-operated vehicles and then just yeah. stick to petrol and diesel for cars for at, this, at this stage. I'll say please not for our emergency services vehicles because you don't want your house on fire and being told that, you know, I'm sorry, but we've got to wait another three hours for the truck to charge up. Yeah, no, definitely stick with st- definitely stick with gasoline and diesel for those, I reckon. Anyway, Ben, back to the emergency services. Okay. I'm sorry. All right, no, that's right. So obviously, I've worked in emergency services for eleven years. So, and I've um, obviously uh, got a lot of respect for people uh, for you know uh, police officers. I know that might you know people might find that 
a bit funny for me to be saying that. But, uh, look, at the end of the day, and I referenced it in my video a couple of days ago, that I, I consider the police to be like the Jedi in Star Wars in the sense that they're protectors of the peace, but they're not there to fight a war. So in an effect to circumvent Section 114 of the Commonwealth Constitution, uh, the you've got governments, and this is all governments uh, that have been using the police as their own private military or their own private army, and that's just not constitutional whatsoever. Uh, so that, that so that's in regards to the police with Ambulance Victoria. Yes, there's a lot of um, bad press around um, their wait times and the fact that we can't get ambulances out to them. I mean, it probably would have helped if they didn't sack 93 of their paramedics in December last year, um, of which I'm speaking with most of them uh, already, and I have been for almost a year now. So um, when I did my video on Victoria's ambulance service, I've effectively told the guys from that were, that were paramedics, that they're going to be writing my script for me because they know what they're talking about. I don't so much. And, um, you know, they're gagged by APRA, so if they say anything, they're going to get their registration taken off them. I'm not even registered with APRA, so I'll just present whatever they want me to present. Yeah. With, with your background, uh, there was a big thing uh, a few months ago about uh, ambulance ramping. Yes. Yeah. Can you explain what that is and why that was such a big issue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so essentially you've got um, uh, ambulances that are either stuck at the hospital with things like, um, you know, whether they got what we call sections, which is psych assessments, uh, mental health patients, that kind of thing. Um, it's just a case of, you know, well, they might be on, um, you know, meal breaks or they might be on, uh, got, they might not just not have any staff in the area due to, you know, being not around. But essentially with the ramping, it's the fact that you don't have enough ambulances. So, with their higher priority events, essentially, unless you were having a heart attack there and then, obviously there's been a reason why that's been a bit more increased in more recent times, but essentially you're being told that if you can jump in a, in a taxi and go to the hospital or get there yourself, then that's what you should be doing. I thought, I, I thanks for clearing that out, because I thought ramping was when they were actually treating people in the back at the hospital in the yeah. back of the ambulance because there was no beds for them. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that is that is that, that's part of it as well because again, they're, they're shutting down wings of the hospital because they don't have staff. You know, it's great it's great to, to say that the Liberals here in Victoria have said that we're going to build all these new hospitals, and Daniel Andrews has decided that um, after years of neglecting the health system, that we're going to build all these hospitals as well. But who are you going to staff them with? No, yeah. because all they want to do is they what they want to do is open up the um, immigration and Correct. bring all the nurses in. But they don't realise that the nurses from America, you'd get very little nurses from countries that can just come work straight from their registration and come here and work. The, the Australian standards for nursing and, like, anything to be registered with APRA is so high that you couldn't get a nurse from Bangladesh. She's, she could have been a nurse for 20 years in Bangladesh. If she yeah. comes across here, she's still got a year's worth of course to do. And then um, and I've seen it happen here and I've spoken to nurses and what happens is they bring the, the, the nurse will come over, male or female, then they want to bring the family too. So then what happens is they put them up into a house that we already have a housing crisis as well. They bring them, they bring them the, the nurse over, then they bring the husband or wife or if there's a couple of kids as well, so they bring them over. Then they have to put them into a school. They have to subsidise their income. They have to subsidise um, for their rent as well. So we're paying for all this. So if you're going to build two or three hospitals and you need, what, five or 600 staff for a hospital, would you need more, more than that? Thereabouts. No, thereabouts. 
all right, so that's fine. We're going to bring 190,000 people in. We're going to open that up every year. We're going to open that up for special privilege for um, nurses and doctors and, and medical staff. Okay, but then what happens is, but you bring for for every one, you might have to bring four to five people over, right, just to get your one. Correct, and I, this is something I because I actually did a rodeo program during my federal campaign, which was talking about the um, the housing crisis in the Mount Alexander Shire, which is down around Castlemaine, so south south of Bendigo. And um, when I started talking about immigration um, being a, a potential solution to the situation and putting a halt on immigration, I started getting the eyebrows raised. But when I explained that it's basic maths, we've got an already existing housing crisis. You bring unlimited number of immigrants to Australia, many of whom probably won't be skilled because they will be family members. What's that going to do to our existing housing issue? It's going to make it worse. Um, you know, so, you know, tapping the brakes on um, on immigration is probably going to be one of our best, uh, one of our best solutions at the moment and only bring in people who are actually skilled and they're not going to bring mum, dad, everyone else in their family tree as well. Well, that's right. And just to touch back on with, with, with the medical industry is that you'd have a nurse um, that she'd have to do a course for over a year to become yeah. qualified to treat in Australia. So she could only work as an AIN or an e, e maybe an, an endorsed registered nurse. And, uh, Correct. Until yeah. she could become a, regi- a full-fledged registered and nurse. After registered nurse, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, people don't realise, oh, but that's okay, we'll bring people in and they can just do it. But you, if, as you're saying, it's four to one or three to yeah. one. So what for one for one skilled worker you've got three that aren't probably skilled, and then yeah. what happens is and then you've got to wait a year before we're really going to get the benefit of that anyway. We should be really like you were saying is um, bring immigration down, okay? Keep it focused for 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 real skills based people that can work straight away, and we should maybe um, bolster our universities and TAFEs and stuff like that and get get our students doing it, get the Australians yeah. into I've, I've got another solution to it. There's there's plenty of um, nurse trained nursing staff that can't work due because they're not jabbed. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well. Because so, so what's actually happened here, even though um, Mr Andrews has decided to declare an end to the pandemic, which uh, happened a couple of weeks ago, I'm sure it had nothing to do with the fact that he was six weeks away from a state election, um, what he's done is that he's slid the um, uh, the jab requirements to be that you have to be triple jab to work in emergency. Uh, sorry, healthcare, um, specialist schools, emergency services, and a few other areas as well. But he slipped them into the um, occupational health and safety regulations. So yeah. it's a way of making it look like a law without, but uh, whilst bypassing the parliament as well. So. Essentially, the pandemic and even the little vaccinated economy still isn't over because people still can't work in their chosen profession as a result. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no. And how did you do? You, have you got a number of? Have you got a rough estimate on how many nursing staff and medical staff actually what left? The the in, well, we're basically. I know it's not significant, um, but um, I'm not sure of an exact number. I couldn't even. I'm not even going to even, um, you know, do a disservice by giving you a ballpark figure, but I can tell you it's quite significant, and you know that because, Pete, you can't get appointments for anything these days. Uh, but I can but I can tell you that 93 Ambulance Victoria staff sacked on December 6 last year is a confirmed number. That was through a freedom of information request. Um, yeah, and and one of one of those um, one of those sacked paramedics is actually a One Nation candidate in this state election too. Oh, really? And what was that person's name? 
Yeah, so I'll say I'll say hi to Jess. She'll be um she, she'll be uh, she'll know who she is. So I don't know if she'll want to give out a surname, although yeah, that's fine. Probably, a smart person will probably work it out pretty quickly. That's all right. That's okay. all right. But no, that's a it's a, yeah, that's unbelievable. Ninety three. Ninety three, and I've got a screenshot of it, and um, I'll chuck it into the comments of this video for the, those watching home. Um, uh, when Daniel Andrews a few months ago was praising that they've got sixty four brand new paramedics that are about to hit the road. I think okay. Well, let's let let's think about this for a second. Thirty down. It, you're still thirty odd down, the starters, but they're they're newbies. Yeah, yeah you, exactly. you've lost you've lost you've lost decades and decades of experience. Um, you know, and it's just more of a natural progression that that the older generation take um, take the newer generation underneath their wings. But you, now you're going to get a situation where you have got people with only one or two years' experience taking the newbies under their wings, potentially in life-threatening situations. Uh, the, the logic, it, it's as pointless as a blunt pencil. Well, it's just political. It's just the same. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, see, see, whenever they said trust the science, again, I said this in my video, when, I, when they said trust the science, the word political is silent to the front of that. It's, it's trust the political science. That, that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a lot's coming out that there wasn't even any science. So it's just- no. Well, that's it. Well, Pfizer's well, admitted that they didn't even test if their um, if their trial vaccination actually had the capability to stop transmission. So, okay. Well, that was one of the big selling points. We got Fauci and Biden and multiple people in Australia saying that's exactly what it would have done. And now they're trying to back away from it. I'm sorry, but you're on record as telling us that's what it was and that's why a lot of people were sucking into taking this um, this medical procedure. Well, in New yeah. South Wales we had Bradley Hazard, Honourable Bradley Hazard. He was no, yes, 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 I've heard all about him. Yeah, right? And he had the, he earned his, he earned his, he earned the nickname of Health Hazard. Yeah. And we had Dr Kerry Chan, okay, and then they... Is, is that the one that uh, his glasses kept breaking on him? I don't. I I don't know because after the first couple of weeks, we I just we, we we couldn't stand watching it. Really, like we could, yeah, right? Like you know, <laughs> but what we're saying is, um, I, I don't know who your guys were down there. When feel free to name them because they. Oh, Brett, they, Brett runs our chief health officer, and he's um, hopeless. Yeah, and well, uh, essentially, our like, thinking was a uh, he didn't even have the right qualifications to get his professor doctorate. He was uh, given an honorary. Uh, doctorate from one of the local universities. So I think uh, most he's ever done, to the best of my knowledge, is working in an emergency room somewhere. Yeah, and with all this health advice they keep, well, they kept referring to, where is it? How come we've never seen it? Like, well, it, it, it's it's year seven maths. Show us your workings. How did you yeah. come to this conclusion? But that's, that's what it is. And then if that's, you can show them you're working out, even if the answer's wrong, you still get half a point. Well, that's exactly it. But having said that, with all that, that that's how you get the people on site. Okay, we'll just say, we'll just say there's a hundred people that didn't want the jab for whatever reason, and they said that because you're not showing us the science. Okay, if you showed them the science and everything was exactly as you said it would, you're probably going to get 95 of those people over to your way of thinking, and they'll probably start promoting it. I mean, obviously, you'll always have that small group of people, no matter what what's said, that you won't change their mind because they're happy to be blissfully ignorant or whatever it is, but. That's that. That's how you get the pe- that's how you get the people on side. Is show them how you came to these decisions. It's this thing that I mentioned earlier called transparency. Mm. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what it's all about. Just be transparent. Well, and then you, you will get people. But well, that's it. But you can see that there was no transparency. 
and then there was no there was no there was no evidence the reason why is there's no evidence Stephen is what you you know you're saying where is all these reports and where is all because they're not there yeah. because there is none and then yeah, so, so so if that's the case the only way forward and obviously elbow's not going to get off his ass and do it so we might as well do it in victoria especially with an election coming up is the only way forward for victoria to heal and get closure as, as a society is a royal commission yep because that way that way we can you know we can see what the deliberations of the uh, national cabinet were Surely someone's taking minutes, you know, and if Daniel Andrews decides to walk into that and say, I don't recall, okay, that's great. We're happy for you not to recall. We're going to find you $10,000 a day until you can remember or you can bring your notebook in. I mean, take your pick. Um, you know, and we can actually look at all this health advice and where they're getting their, their um, you know, all, all this data from because the data that um, Jared um, Rennick's running off, which I've actually got all the data sitting at my house because I know the lady who actually ran it, it's it's absolutely damning. I mean, you know, as of January this year, there was 740 um, deaths reported to the TGA as a result after receiving one of these trial vaccinations, yet the TGA were only willing to accept that 11 of them were as a direct result of the jab. So there's 729 people that they're saying had other issues, which obviously is not the um, is not the train of thought they went on when they were saying people are dying with COVID because they just needed those numbers up. Mm-hmm. So with so with all that, so what we had is um, the TGA is now saying that 11 people died as the direct result of this job. They, they've confirmed that from January up until January this year. So what that means is that if this trial vaccination is, as I said, still in its trial phase, that's that should be enough to pull it uh, all together from the shelves. Well, that's because I mean that was, there was something about some vaccine ages ago. Twenty people died from it, and they pulled it across the, across the world. Yeah. Like, was that was swine flu vaccination or something I like that? It was, yeah. yeah, and then they pulled that. There was twenty people died from it, and then they just pulled it. So we've had eleven in Australia, which means you would have had eleven in every other pretty much country of the world. Would have probably you you could safely well, assume. Well, 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 bear in mind we've only got a population of what twenty six and a half million. Um, you know, you go to somewhere like America where the population's, you know, what, 10, 12, 15 times that. Yeah. You know, um, basic maths, it's it's pretty damning. And, again, a lot of questions need to be answered, which is why I say a Royal Commission is the only way forward. Yeah, I, think, I believe we're all kind of fighting for the Royal Commission and believe in the Royal Commission to see if we can, you know, get, the, get some of the truth out there. And, you know, and I agree with you. I think um, to heal... Um, it's not so much about punishment, but it's about making people feel accountable. It's, I think yeah, accountability. After, that's it's what accountability. It is. It's yeah. it's. I don't care if people get hung or not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not big on that. I don't care about that. But what I want to know is I want to know that people made a mistake. They misled the public. Yeah. And now we all know that they did that. And then what happens is, and then we won't let that happen again. And then it puts all the prejudice. Mm-hmm. And all the biases to bed because you know between the vax and unvax and all that kind of stuff, right? It people go well. We're all lied to. We're all being taken for a ride, and now we know that they've done that. So now we can put it into our history books, not to be so trusting on people's word. We need to see. Yeah, I can tell you now what's happened over the last couple of years. That's 
this will be required learning in, in our high schools eventually, I think, and I think we're going to see it as specialist subjects in our universities as well. I, I honestly believe that Topher Fields uh, Battleground Melbourne is going to be required viewing um, in high school eventually. Uh, I, you know what? I've watched it. I've got I've got a copy of that that movie. Um, you know, probably so. Too. It's 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 a it's it's a raise awareness of what can go wrong. Don't don't, don't, don't ever let this happen again. You know, because because really, the the one question we should all be asking ourselves is, how did we let it come to this? Well, it was apathy. But- exactly. That's exactly it. Exactly. Yeah, people because people weren't interested in fighting unless it affected them directly. You know, there are people on very high wages that are happy to say, "Well, look, if I just get this job, I get to keep my job. I don't care about anyone else." And that's how I many. That's extremely un-Australian, as far as I'm concerned. You know, I'm half Greek and the son of an uh, son of an immigrant. So, you know, but even I've even I've embraced the Australian culture, the Australian values, because that's what I was raised on. People uh, in New South Wales like Adam and I and, and elsewhere around Australia and worldwide as well, we can watch a documentary like Battleground Melbourne and see everything that happened. But you were actually living in Victoria yeah. during yeah. these lockdowns. What's your experience of what happened during those periods? Yeah, well, luckily, I mean, I split my time between Bendigo and Ballarat these days. Um, so um, most of the lockdowns and the curfews and the Ring of Steel have mainly affected the uh, the guys in Melbourne. But um, forget about like the Ring of Steel, like this, like yeah. you, know, you kind of just move on from things. But when like you watch documentaries like Battleground Melbourne, and these things are kind of you're reminded of these things. You're just like, what happened? Yeah. How did it get to this point? And, and there's even a lot in there that Topher missed in that as well. But I mean, obviously, if he got everything, it would have been a three day movie. So, I mean, I mean, you know, I took part in the protests. You know, the big ones uh, that was you know where you're seeing three quarters of a million people there, and it was just phenomenal, phenomenal to be a part of. And you're seeing. You know, everyone getting in, you know, giving each other hugs, high fives, just talking, telling their stories. And, you know, I mean, like, I wasn't there when, um, you know, the rubber bullets and all that were flying as well. I was actually working at Triple Zero. At, uh, I, think, I think I was working that day. I was definitely working the day of the Shrine of Remembrance. Um, you know, and I remember just shaking my head and saying, people have gone there for sanctuary, you know, because that's what the diggers fought for. You know, when the when the diggers came back from war, they gave it. They gave us a democracy. They gave us a democratic country. And we've just seen, as you mentioned before, Stephen, with you know through to, through apathy, we've just allowed that to be eroded to what yeah. we've got now, which is socialism. So essentially, it's going to take um, you know people of uh, strength and integrity to to reclaim this country. And whether you go down uh, the current systems or whether you're going down Colin Moore or whatever else you want to go down. You know, essentially, there's many problems to this attack, and we just need to we just need to make this place better. Well, if you have apathy, then you don't have accountability. Correct. So, hopefully, hopefully, the election will be a, a statement of accountability, because that's what our system of government is based on. You have the West, Westminster system of government, where accountability is built into the system, ideally, to keep people <coughs> like you know Dan Andrews and all these health. Uh, you know, chief health officers and things. Like if they're going to make these decisions, yeah. there has to be accountability as to why they made these decisions. What did they base yeah. them on? But therein, they- that, but, but therein lies your problem. People will vote for their favourite party because that's how mum and dad voted. Yeah. That's how I've always voted. You know, I've, I mean, I've said it. I can't. Even, I've lost count of times I've said it. Get to know your candidate. 
read their policies. That's how you decide who you're going to vote for because, you know, there's our Victorian state policy. I think I've got a federal policy guide as well there as well. Get, I mean, you know, I call, I, call, I call this the common sense guide because, you know, if you read, say, Labor's policies or the Greens' policies, no one's going to vote for them because, you know, you've got Labor, for example, they're purporting values that they're for the workers, which was from 40, 50 years ago, but that's definitely not what they are now because if people actually voted what they're looking for, you know, and that is socialism, then people simply won't vote for it. You know, I mean, everyone likes free stuff, but in Australia, we, you know, again, I was always raised that you want something, you work for it. Yeah, and the thing is, if you work for it, if you work hard, if you should be able to get it if you work hard for it. Correct. You know, and the problem is at the moment is with inflation and the cost of living going up and energy and all that, right? Um, the harder you work, it's getting absorbed in other taxes anyway now. Like basically, you know, you're being taxed on, well, I know in your, I go down to Victoria every now and then and the tax, the toll on that road, whatever the main road is, like, I hate it because I just I get, oh, man, beep every five minutes. It's just beep, beep, beep. Yeah. But, New South Wales apparently is the most uh, taxed state in the world on ro- uh, road tolls. Um, yeah, so it's just you know, it's pretty it's pretty horrible um, what they're doing and the cost of living is just going up with everything like that. And you know they're not fixing it. That's the pro- that was the budget was like that. It just it was not addressing anything at all. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so Ben, you've you've referenced some of your videos. Throughout this interview, where can people find everything that you're posting? Yeah, so they jump on my pa- my Facebook page, which is uh, just write Ben Mahale One Nation, uh, which is M for Mike I H A I L uh, One Nation. Um, I'm pretty easy to find. Not too many people have have my last name, so yeah. Uh, yeah and I think there's only two Ben, ben Mahales out there in Facebook land. So I don't know if one's a fake account or not, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, but you can go through and look through all my videos. So I'm kind of hitting all the big stuff. Um, uh, you know, because I think that's that's really important, you know, because I think in my first state video I referenced um, the Bible when I talked about 1 Corinthians eleven sixteen, which says, um, but if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. So what that actually means is to not worry so much about the small stuff and con- concentrate on the big stuff. So, you know, all this woke genderism, um, virtue signalling stuff, it's not important. It really isn't important whatsoever. What's important is that we bring this state and country back to prosperity and how are we going to work towards doing that? Because, look, with with socialism, you're, uh, you're effectively being taught to hate your country and if you're taught to hate your country, you're not going to defend it when push comes to shove and that's, and that's the problem. That, that's my number one fear for Australia. Yeah, definitely. And I'm going to call this episode the the Australian flag episode because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did see it. In, I did see it in previous things. Everyone, that the two of you guys have Australian flags. I noticed Star Wars and Ricky Lee's. You didn't. They didn't have one. So I thought I better grab mine out and um, yep. go for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually speaking, speaking of the ever wonderful Ricky Lee, she's uh, wanting to know when uh, when the name change is going to come from ex candidates to uh, uh, next generation. We have we have been thinking about it. It's definitely uh, <laughs> not, it's not that easy. There's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. We've yeah, we 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 were thinking about it. We've got a layout. I know Stephen's done the layout. Stephen's the guy who does all the stuff for that. But um, he's um, we, but we we're kind of branded at the moment, aren't we? 
kind of. And it even, was just even, a play even on words. It's not really a fitting name. It's kind of like it's one of those advertising. Uh, uh, you know, when you watch an advertisement and the kid's wearing the red hat and then it cuts away to a scene and you cut back to the scene and he's suddenly wearing a blue yeah. hat. Like, Hang on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah the, uh, the, uh, the old continuity era. Yeah, just, but yeah. It, it gets in your head and you, you start thinking about it and focus on it. <laughs> anyway, that's, we're going to roll with that line, I think, Adam. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, well, we're branded, you know what I mean? Well, like sure. we've done well, Adam was the one that came up with the name. so That's right. Well, well, just for the record, Ricky Lee, I'm sorry I tried. When you watch the I'm really trying. <laughs> no, we, and we appreciate actually the feedback because we're like kind of like we thought about it a little bit a time ago as well. But we're kind of, what, 22, 23 episodes almost in now? Yeah. And you're kind of like, you know, what do you do? It's kind of like the footy show, you know, when they, you know, that the two main characters go and then the next two come in, it kind of like changes it. So it's kind of like, don't fix what ain't broke just yet. That's so, it. And look, and, and I think that's a very good point. That, and, that's, and that's probably a bit of a reflection on society, isn't it? You know, we've got so, too many people trying to fix everything with their uh, virtue signaling. And you think, well, no, hang on, it wasn't an issue five years ago. I mean, like, take things like um, climate change now, for example. I mean, I mean, I love bashing on climate change because it's just, you know, like shedding fish in a barrel. But you know, how long ago was it? It was global warming, but because the world's going through its cooling stage, we've decided we're going to change it to climate change. And it was so never going to rain again. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, you, you know, and it's kind of like, yeah, a bit of a cover-all kind of thing. Yeah. 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 That's it. You can't please everyone. You say... Mm. Yeah, that's it. You can keep some of the people happy some of the time, but you can't keep all the people happy all the time. That's right. That's it. Exactly. But I love, I love the climate change topic because climate changes. That's well, that's point. it. Someone, someone, someone came up to me the other day, and they said to me, "Oh, here in um, January, it's going to be thirty-nine degrees." And I said, "Yes, it's called summer." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was like it was thirty-nine degree days last year, and the year before, and the year before that, and probably two hundred years ago, it was also thirty-nine degree days. And you know, we haven't got records of it. You know, what two hundred and sixty years ago, we won't have records of what the temperatures were in Australia. You know, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I was wondering for you guys. I'll just ask you guys a question. How do you guys go with hecklers up there during your federal campaigns? Do you get do you get many of those? I've got, obviously I've seen one with yourself, Stephen, um, up on stage. <laughs> I always get surprised how many people have seen that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, look, love, you're, you're drinking from the same cup as the village idiot, idiot if you're going down this path. But, yeah, that's what I was thinking yeah. on the stage. I'm just like. <laughs> don't, don't, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, no, I was, uh, to be honest with you, I was expecting a lot more, uh, but yeah. uh, it wasn't too bad, actually. We, I, you know, I think I was in a high-profile seat, so the, the the two main candidates, Sally Stegel and Catherine Dees, got all the attention and, yeah. and uh, you know, it, it's actually, you know, with without any big funding behind you or, or, you know, advertising or anything like that, it's hard to really get your name out there. So I, I think I just kind of flew under the radar and, and missed some of that. But Sounds like you were just happy to be there. Well, in the end, you know, if you can get through an election campaign without too much heckling, <laughs> you know, you'll take it. But Yeah, I was a, I was a bit disappointed. I only, I only had a handful of them. So, you know, being in a strong Labor seat where, you know, One Nation isn't overly, um, well, at the time it wasn't overly well-known in Victoria, Um you know, I, I only got a, a handful of them, so I thought I must have been doing something wrong. Well, I think that's the really exciting thing about what you guys are doing down there. Like One Nation hasn't really had a strong presence in Victoria uh, up until this point. But 
you know, having yourself on and then Ricky Lee and Warren in, in previous episodes, we've been tremendously impressed by you guys. And we've actually been getting feedback. And it's always it's always text messages behind the scenes. No one ever wants to kind of put it publicly, but they've been saying, like, you know, Warren and Ricky Lee both, and I'm sure with this one as well, they were tremendously impressed by you guys. So it only takes one of you getting into Parliament and suddenly you can build on that and hopefully, you know, next time around two of you get in and then three of you get in and you just build on from that. Well, that's it. Because I'm going to the lower house, obviously, I mean, you know, One Nation actually winning government here in Victoria, um, slight chance it won't happen is my guess. Um, but you know what, even if I'm going to be constantly voted down by the by the whichever, whoever forms government, that's fine. You know, I'm going to be bloody entertaining to watch though in Parliament, the way I carry on like a pork chop, so. <laughs> as long as you don't carry on like Lydia Thorpe, we'll be all right. Yeah. No, no, I, look, I, I, I might be crazy, but I, I, I ain't cray-cray. No, no. Um, I was going to say, but the quality of candidates, I think that's the difference as well now, um, with especially with One Nation. Like, there are some really good quality candidates coming through, like yourself, like Ricky, like um, Warren, you know, especially in Victoria at this stage. The, you know, the, the, candidate, the, the, the candidates, and we have this, you know, the cream floats, rises to the top. As, that's another Stephen Tripp <laughs> phrase. You know, so you guys have, you know, I know Ricky had run a few times, I think, already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is our third campaign, yeah. Right. And then you ran federally and then yeah. Warren ran federally and this is his, his running again state-wise. Yeah, you know, like it's just really good to see. Like you guys are entertaining, um, knowledgeable, right, good, like informative, um, you know. So I think it's really important to for the party itself to continue to build a strong candidate base because, um eventually we will start getting into parliament and we need the best foot forward so to build on that as well so you know keep up the good work with all that and you know you are a good candidate and from talking to you today you know we and we know candidates now i mean we've all been in the circuit enough to know who stands out and who doesn't you know what i mean so it's it's so good on you there and and good luck to victoria Thank you. Well, I, th- I think with all that, I think it's more of a case also that I think that was the non-negotiable that One Nation had when selecting their candidates is that they wanted genuine people. They didn't want people who were looking to be career politicians, people that saw a problem and think that they've got the right skill set to fix it. And, I th- you know, as long as you're a genuine person, I think One Nation were pretty happy to to take people on board and take the punt on them. So, you know, and I think it's worked with, with many of us. Um, I will say one one person I was very impressed with his federal campaign was um, I can't was it Sam the young fella yeah. Sam yeah oh yeah, yeah. Sam Shriver Shriver that's him yeah yeah, no, yeah he was fantastic I absolutely loved his campaign I think he did really well and I think he's you know extremely wise beyond his years so I'm really looking forward to see what he does in the future yeah definitely. yeah absolutely yeah. and what and it was only this week uh, Warren was part of a, a candidate forum I think that was on oh. Turning Turning Point Australia. <laughs> And yeah, you yeah. Just know, like how he stood out more than the only he had David Limbrick on stage who has been in parliament, yet he was he was the biggest, as using your term, pork chop of them all. <laughs> Warren was just kind of sitting there going, Really? Like, yeah, well, well, well the Liberal Democrats do actually use the, the preference whisperer, which is where Limbrick's from, glorious for using them, yeah, and they, they don't deny it either. No, no, well, I mean, I've spoken to three. Three people within the um, Liberal Democrats, and they they always seem to use the same terminology. They always say, "Well, we need to get a seat at the table," and I'm saying, "Well, at the sake of you know, at the expense of your integrity." 
Is, is, that, is that what we're doing? You know, I mean, when you get into Parliament, are you going to try and stop this practice from happening? I mean, you know, even though it's not unlawful, it's definitely unethical. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's supposed to be government by representation, not government by, you know, Glen Jury. Correct. Correct. Because, because of the Glen Jury model, that's how we got this pandemic legislation. This is how a lot of people lost their jobs. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's true. Well, and, thank you very much for coming on, Ben. Like we've uh, we've really enjoyed this. So, just again, how can people follow you? Yep. So, uh, jump on my Facebook page, Ben Mahale. Just write Ben Mahale One Nation. I'm pretty easy to find, and uh, you'll see a fair bit of contact content, plenty of videos, and we're really excited to get Malcolm Roberts down to Victoria on the fifth and sixth of uh, of November. So, if you want tickets, um, yeah, reach out. We'll uh, hook you up. Yeah, can you tell us about that? Because we've we've even looked at flights; they're a little bit expensive, unfortunately. But uh, we'd love to come to that as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, so we've got a um, uh, in Melbourne. We've got a dinner, um, black tie dinner, which will be uh, great on the night of the fifth, I think it is. Yeah, the fifth, the fifth of November, and then we're going to have a breakfast about an hour north of um, Melbourne CBD, which will be uh, really good, um, limited to about eighty people. That one, so it's going to be a really good event for people to. Um, get in and uh, ask Malcolm some questions and pick his brain because he's actually quite knowledgeable as well. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've obviously already been tapped on the shoulder by the guys from here in Victoria to MC at both events, which is uh, great. Oh, good oh, luck. It's <laughs> not an easy job. <laughs> well, you get some pointers off Stephen because Stephen did a great job for our little fundraiser that we did. Oh, sounds good, yeah. You know, he'll get his number and... And letting give you a call or something like that. It's always at late at night though, because he's a night shift worker. So um, okay, well I'll call, I'll call him at three a.m. then. Yeah, that's yeah. he'll be awake. Don't worry. We <laughs> close your eyes and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. I used to do professional event hosting once upon a time, so I'm um, yeah used to speaking in front of crowds, which is uh, which is pretty good. I should have got your advice. I should have been called you at three. I didn't know that about you. This is why I do video. Why I do videos because I'm used to presenting things to people. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Awesome. And and just for yourself, have you got any? Big campaign events coming up in East Bendigo? Um, just the ones with Malcolm. It's um, really, I prefer to just go out there and meet the people, to be perfectly honest. That's really what I do is that I, I prefer not to reply to a text message or a um, or talk on the phone if need be. Generally throughout my entire federal campaign, someone called me and said, oh, can we have a talk about this? And my first response was always, where are you? I'll come to you. Wow. And I'd sit down with them for 20, 30 minutes and just have a chat about whatever they wanted to. And, and this is the whole mantra that I was talking about, that one nation wanting genuine people. I want people to see that, yes, I am a genuine person and I do actually have your best interests at heart. I'm not here just to be a career politician, take the money and run kind of situation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's good. Well, I'm sure you're going to make a big difference. I'm sure you're going to go well, well. You know what I mean? I mean, it's going to be a hard task. It's a hard task to um, to topple the you know the labor machine. Yeah, uh, when they get in, because I'm I'm in, I'm in the same kind of situation in Campbelltown. It's all labor. Yeah, they're just a well-oiled machine, and they just know what they're doing, and they've got their stories, and they've got their their plan, and they just follow that. It's just like Maccas every year; they just follow it the same, and it just keeps going on. That's it. That's it. I, I compare them to Starbucks. <laughs> oh, Starbucks. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah but you're down in Victoria. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, awesome. Okay, well, if you if you really enjoyed this episode, please share it, get the word out there. And again, we want to thank Ben for coming on, and we look forward to having some more Victorian 
candidates in the next few episodes. So uh, thank you, everyone, for watching, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Don't forget, hashtag Ben into Bendigo Waste.